0: What is good everyone? Welcome back to the Outside the Box podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall and I'm so excited to share with you this special episode of the Outside the Box podcast. My guest today is very important to the history of the Outside the Box podcast. If you follow me, Nick Ingvall, on all the social platforms or Outside Pods or my other site, Sneaker History, on any of the platforms, you might have seen that we put together a little uh, sneaker convention of sorts called Sneaker Convos. So It's basically a series of interviews, live podcasts, roundtable conversations, anybody from the footwear industry, creative professionals, to designers, to podcasters, YouTubers, industry veterans, and some of the people that created sneaker content for the last 30 plus years. One of the most important conversations in that group of conversations for me was with my friend Tiffany Beers, who, if you've listened to this podcast for more than the last year or so... You might know that she was a part of this podcast a few years back with my friend Jacques Slade, who was also in one of the other conversations. So I highly suggest checking that out. Uh, It was a really fun time for me. It was a long four or five days of just back-to-back conversations, but I think there's a ton of great information if you're interested in the footwear industry, if you're involved in the footwear industry, or if you just want to make a difference in the world and have a passion for sneakers. My conversation today is with Tiffany Beers from that series called Sneaker Convos. Uh, we get to talk a lot about her kind of career path through design, what she did in the footwear space, how she uses some of those things that she learned in the footwear space in her current role, and a lot of important topics. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you like, favorite, subscribe if you are on any of the platforms that allow you to do that. I would love for you to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because it's been a slow getting back into that. And I would really appreciate the support. But most importantly, I just hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, because Tiffany is one of my favorite people. She's done some amazing things, and she's a great resource for knowledge. So that said, enjoy this conversation with Tiffany Beers. Hey, what's good, everyone? Welcome back to another sneaker convo, sneaker convos. I'm not sure how to do these intros because everything has been thrown for a loop, but I'm happy to actually reconnect with my friend Tiffany Beers, who I don't think I need to introduce to any of you that would be watching this because she's done some incredible things in the footwear industry. Um, And one of the things that I am most excited about to talk to you about uh, in kind of like I just alluded to, it makes you so much more real and respected, in my opinion, with the community at large is the fact that you've got a wall of sneakers behind you. And, you know, people can relate to that and think, oh, she does do this stuff. So, um, first These off, are how are you doing?
1: Sneakers, though. These <laughs> are just like normal everyday <laughs> wear
0: sneakers. Uh, how, how, are, how are things going? How you been? What, what's new for you?
1: Good. I'm doing good. Busy, you know, still still in lockdown here in Northern California and um, still working. So I'm now, uh, I'm in the gaming industry, right? Um, and so now I'm the head of innovation for gaming at Logitech G and Astro. So kind of a new role, new into it and I'm diving in, but it's in a zone I feel very comfortable. So um, yeah, still super fun, but I, I haven't touched sneakers lately as much as I'd like to, and I'm missing them. So when you reached out, I was kind of like, yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's, it's it's so great to hear. Cause I think like, you know, just going back to like the last video that I caught of yours was like the Jordan 11 adapt. Right. And I think that that shoe is like, if there could ever be, let me just light a firecracker and throw it in the middle of people. That shoe is it for the sneaker community. Right. Because you're inevitably going to get so many varied responses of you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. This is amazing. This is awesome. How come we didn't do this before? Blah, 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 blah. So it was interesting to hear your perspective on it. So if you haven't watched Tiffany's YouTube channel, uh, highly suggest diving into some of the older videos, but that one specifically was really awesome because just if you want to give a little bit of background, you were a big part of the progression to get to that point of usability, I guess, as far as the consumer, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did all the early development of the technology. Uh, spent about ten years on it, you know, dabbling with it before we thought it would actually be something. Um, so yeah, yeah, the the latest man, I I left Nike almost four years ago now, so it's kind of crazy uh, to think. So I've been out of the loop for years now. Um, but yeah, yeah, early early days, a lot of the technology and a lot of the failures. I I helped build a lot of the failures that never made it to market. <laughs>
0: Well, that's actually awesome to hear, though, because I think that's one thing that I, uh, you know, I talked to, I don't know if you know, Kevin Fallon and Dave Dombro, who are been around the industry design wise for a long time, right? They're doing some really interesting stuff with their speed hack channel, where they're just like, literally hacking things together. And I find it completely fascinating, because one, not to go too far into the car world, but like you and I have talked about you and your husband and the racing stuff. And that's my escape from the internet and sneakers, right? I go into the garage, I bang up my knuckles, I break things, I fix things. And like, that's the joy yeah. of it, right? And one of the things that came out of that conversation was like, I actually think that, you know, we, we we need to do better as humanity, but like, we won't go too far down that path, but like to embrace those failures, right? Because that's ultimately how we get better at what we do. And I don't even think that that, I think you could probably, relate in the sense that some of those failures that happened on your way to developing the Nike mag probably are things that you can apply to your current life, right? And and work that you do.
1: Yep, absolutely and it's it's even it's not it's it's not failures, it's learnings, right? And it's like now like we'll start building a prototype, you know, for gaming or something and I'm working on a I'm working on a side gig shoe, by the way. Uh-oh. I can't talk a lot about, but it's going to be amazing. Um, but like you you'll know that that it's going to fail. Like you'll 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 know that it's going to fail and you'll see it coming, right? You'll get so far into it and you'll know it's gonna fail, but you keep going because you know you'll learn more information that might be the unlock because that's what you're looking for. Like anytime you're building something new and different and difficult, you're looking for these unlocks that when you put them all together, now you have something. And so despite it's not really who cares if it fails. I mean, I don't, I don't care if it fails. It's, I guess people care because it might've wasted time and money, but if you're failing correctly, <laughs> which is weird to have in the same sense, you're failing. Well, you're learning and you're, you're, you're moving things along. <laughs> so it's just like making YouTube videos. If you look at my early videos, not so good. <laughs> focus. Oh, yeah. How do you get the uh, camera to focus?
0: <laughs> I mean, so I think the only person on the face of the earth that knows my earliest YouTube attempts, like from like seven, eight years ago is Jacques. And it's funny because like he and I, like, we have a good relationship, Uh, you know, like I would share something with you and expect really honest feedback. Right. And with him, even eight years ago where he wasn't quite as like super famous as he might be now, um, I was still so intimidated to share because everything I watched from him is like so professional, right? Even like when we did the podcast together, I felt like, like Jacques sounds like a professional and I have so many stutters and so many various like distractions. I can't have a thought, at, you know, yep. and, and I think that's like something that I'm trying to, with these conversations this week, I'm trying to kind of, you know, share more of that because, it's such an important piece. And I think what's really fascinating in footwear right now is we have this kind of like, we have this like, we're in like an experimental stage in a lot of ways, right? Like, there's still like the polished product that gets produced, right? And like, but like people are being encouraged to just get creative, whether that's customizing or hacking things together or, you know, even, um, you know, to like the Tom Sachs thing where it's like, hey, document all the weird things you do in this shoe, even if it's not sneaker related. Tell us where you jumped in a puddle or where you went snowboarding or where you forgot to wear them, you know, like all of those things are really fascinating because on the flip side of that, we all love the like final product, the presented like polished, you know, we want to like, I think all of us want to be able to push the button and see the lights come on and see the laces, you know, tighten. And that is like what we've been like kind of like really into it collectively as a community for a long time. And I think that there's so much more work behind the scenes that goes on. And that's that's part of the conversations that I wanted to have with everybody over these next few days, because on the flip side of that. And then I want to talk to you specifically about like, you know, engineering and design and, and your kind of progression through that. One of the things that I think is still almost problematic in the footwear industry, and I think this is probably true for a lot of big, older, seasoned industries. The perception to like the teenager or the you know young 20 something in college is that there's very few actual career opportunities right the the the, you know a designer gets highlighted uh the ceo gets highlighted uh, a marketing person gets highlighted or you know somebody that works at the stores and you know that's like only four or five jobs when there's literally thousands of people that work for all of these companies so what was it like for you kind of just getting into the industry at first? And then how did that progress, you know, into kind of doing some of the most important shoes that in sneaker culture, or I would say arguably the most important shoe with the Nike mag. Cause that's the longest running story. I feel like you didn't intend, you know, you weren't part of the first discussion of that in the eighties, but look, the beauty of that is like, when I speak to college students, I talk about the progression of that because as a kid, that seed was planted for me to want that and desire it. And I don't even think that like the people behind the shoe originally even intended that, but it became a 40 year story, which is something I just absolutely love.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was like five when that shoe was conceived. I I was in the little Miss Townville pageant probably around the time. And I I didn't even win. I got runner up, you know, so, so, I was not around at the beginning of it, but um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I applied online at Nike. I didn't know anyone, you know, I was one of the thousands to apply and I managed to get in there and um, you know, not even, I cared about sneakers cause I cared about sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked sports. I was really passionate about sports. And so that's what kind of drove me to want to be at Nike, but like even my degree plastics engineering, I didn't know I could work in sports. I didn't know shoes were mostly made of plastic, you know, so it's like um, things all just kind of came together. But but really, you know, I started out airbag design doing Nike Air. Right. And and in that I was doing cast. So I was doing 3D design. There were designers, there were other engineers. I mean, there were so many people just to make that one little thing happen. And, you know, I think to that was at the beginning and I wasn't necessarily going for attention, you know, like I didn't I didn't know that I would get attention or wanted to get attention. So I think when you say like, you know, when a shoe gets highlighted, you hear about a designer, you hear about like if you want to be the person that people are writing about, that's different. Like that's one thing. But if you want to work on shoes, there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of opportunities to do it. Um And the thing that is kind of awesome is that if you don't match somebody else's resume, like I used to get a lot of questions from people, like, what did you go to school for? How do I match that exactly and do exactly what you're doing? And it's like, we're not the same. Like, I'm the only person that does what I did at Nike. I was the only lead innovator on the mag, you know, like, there were other people that were doing the same thing for other product lines and other shoes and things like that. So it was like, it's not cookie cutter. It's actually more important. What's different. Like how do you view things differently? And that, that's actually how I got the job. You know, I had a plastics engineering degree, which was a bit different. I was also a female in engineering, again, a little bit different than what they expected. And I think once I got in there, you know, I was from clear across the country. I was from a small town in Pennsylvania. You know, I. I was so different than everybody else in Oregon and the West coast. And I just had different viewpoints and I worked really hard. So, um, I attribute a lot of it to luck to be honest, you know, I worked hard. Right. And I, I, I I don't want to give away all my credit because I, it is the way I think and the way I work on things and do things is a little bit different and it works well for product development. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I, I think that's actually great, though, because like I think a lot of people that come from small towns and don't live on the West Coast. Before I say that, I'd like to just, you know, acknowledge that you're totally embracing the West Coast lifestyle by going to the racetrack on the weekends. That's one of my favorite things about knowing you at this point. But um, I think that it's really kind of you know it's beautiful to hear you say that it's an advantage right because that's like so many people feel like they're not connected and i think we all are guilty of that in certain ways right like i as somebody who is is a connector of people feel like i need to be in new york and san francisco in in la and in chicago and in big cities because it it you know exponentially increases my chances of networking and and seeing people and having those face to face you know pre pandemic conversations, but it's awesome to hear you say that it, that you almost look at it as an advantage because I'm sure there are people listening and will watch this and and hear this and see this that absolutely think the exact opposite and that's just a beautiful thing. So how how do you think that applies to just do you think that applies to like the way of your way of thinking then? Or is that something that, uh, you know, just you realize after the fact, I guess, is that, if that makes sense. I
1: probably I probably realize it after the fact, but but I give myself a little bit like I, I'm like personally quite hard on myself. Like I set my standards very, very high and I give myself a little bit of grace in that. It feels messy in my mind a lot, but I always know it comes out with something of value, and something that will make sense. But the process of getting there is a bit messy. And it's even messy for me, even though I'm, it's, it's in my mind, it's in what I, the work I'm doing, it's still messy for me. Um, and so I kind of try and embrace it now, as it is. Um, and but also, I think, you know, I learned from all the people around me, and and all the people that interacted with me, they taught me so much, you know, like, I was so lucky to spend so much time with Tinker and learn how his mind worked, and learn how he looked at problems, solve problems and, and Mark Smith. And, you know, just tons and tons of people there that I got to be influenced by even Tom Sachs, you know, the way he looks at things is just like, Whoa, like left field. Okay. This is cool. And I just kind of embrace those things. And I think like, for me, I always, I always like enter things conservatively, like, see what's what and where's things and then like apply my process. Cause I know that people don't get my process. You know, I'm leading a team of 40 plus engineers now. And like when you try to lead people with a process, that's a little different. It's challenging. <laughs> it's challenging. Yeah. Um, but stories and examples really can help illustrate it. So.
0: So one of the things that came up in an earlier conversation was, um, the the kind of the nature of i guess the you know digital aspect of creation and design work versus the just getting your hands dirty and messing with the product and the materials to figure out what works yeah how how do you approach those two separate worlds and how do they shape what you end up doing
1: yeah it's it's tricky they've, it's changed how I approached it, right? So I use the tools that I'm most, that I'm best with because that's what my brain can think with. And so like right now, unfortunately, it's like programs like mural and stuff that are like virtual whiteboards or actual whiteboards. But when I started, I was good at CAD, I was good at 3D. So I would build the models and I would think through it building them and and doing the CAD and setting up versions. And then I got good at Illustrator, right? Because I was using Illustrator. So then I would use that to build and make things and think through. And then then I was building with my hands. And so my favorite right now is probably building with my hands, right? So like like you mentioned, my husband uh, races amateur um, and we joined a new class and we'll go out to the racetrack and you have what you have at the racetrack. So if something breaks, which always happens constantly, You have to figure out and fix it, right? So duct tape, zip ties, and wire are your best friends because you're going to use some combo of those. So like, no matter what problem shows up, you just try and hack it together because you have no other choice. And I really like to be restrained like that. Like, here's here's, here's lip gloss and a cell phone. Well, cell phone's kind of cheating. (laughs) Here's six things. You go make this happen. You go solve this problem. I think that's just such a fun exercise. And I use it all the time. And in reality... For product development and even shoes, you're always constrained cost, material availability, timeline, you always have those constraints to work within. So, you know, I I think it's it really exercises your brain and makes you think a little bit differently. And now environmental. Right. Like try to be more sustainable. Like that's a huge constraint. Like we have to be creative to make that happen. So. Yeah, I, don't know if I answered your question.
0: No, it's great. It's actually funny because you know one of the things that I really appreciated about doing the podcast with you and Jacques is is like the different perspectives that you guys introduced me to, right? And I just continually go back to the bubblegum sneaker, right? That like we talked about it and it stuck with me. It's ironically, it's stuck with me. Not trying to be punny with that, but like it literally has been something in my mind. And as you're saying, like the restraints, you know, I think of like MacGyver, where it's like a bubblegum wrapper, some gum, and a and a paperclip. And next thing you know, like, you just built a Tesla or something. You're just like, what's like, but that's the beauty of it. Right. And I think that the interesting part about where we are is that like, on one hand, we don't have enough of the hands on of like, just go out there and figure it out and do it. On the other hand, you can skip a lot of the mistakes that have to be made in that process by using the internet, using the resources that are out there, And then, like, maybe it works better, but like, I personally think like I'd rather trip and fall and have to figure it out, even if it's not in like, you know, YouTube is still like the most intimidating thing. Like, my face has been on the internet for 20 years now, and I still feel like, turn the camera on. Okay, I'm nervous now. What do I say? Blah, 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 all that stuff, right? But it really doesn't matter. It's just a part of the process. And if I did it a thousand times, like Jacques did his videos for, I don't know if you know how many he's done, right? It would be like nothing the way he goes out and turns it on and does it and it's it's over with, right? But I think with the the kind of trend in footwear right now, or not even in footwear, right? I think of like the guys like the Casey Neistats or the Peter McKinnons, the kind of YouTubers that are super creative, but they present very different finished products where Peter ends up like making everything extraordinarily beautiful. footage is just like i want to i want to just hang out with that guy because he lives in the most beautiful scene ever all the time and then you kind of have casey who is obviously like very similar to tom Sachs and their relationship where it's like here's the desk i chopped this stuff up and here it is like this is what i do it doesn't have to be you know finished but do you think that like the relationship for you know between the physical aspect of of molding like you said or you know, just kind of figuring it out and the digital aspect of just like the creative vision that comes from like being able to sketch and kind of express those ideas. Do you think that there's um challenges for like, you know, the, the young designers that look up to people right now that you could maybe give some advice to in that sense?
1: Yeah, sure. I think... I think staying in a digital world when you're making a physical product is a mistake. You, you will never completely understand it. I, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't personally understand it. Like I've learned so much literally from building like, you know, one of the very first shoes I ever cut and made was for a famous athlete's birthday, And it was the gift we were giving them. And I was so stressed. I was just like, Oh my gosh, what if I mess this up? And it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. I have to say like, it could have been a lot better, but it was my boss at the time teaching me how to kind of work through that process and how to learn that process. And, um, you know, maybe a single pair of shoes doesn't matter to someone who gets a new one every day, every, every little while and on their birthday every year, you know? So The physical process of it, I think, is much more tangible, like all those people out there that want to make shoes like you can go to Home Depot, you can probably find stuff in your house and make a shoe today out of just stuff like a blanket, a T-shirt, you know, you need something firmer, you need something softer, you know, you could literally make a shoe out of anything. And the moment that you create it, first, you'll be you'll be surprised with yourself like, holy shit, I just made this. That's like the first reaction, and then and then you're like, wow, it actually worked. High fives, you know. Then it's like, can you put it on? And and you've you will have learned so much that when you go to the next one, and then guess what? Those are all in your resume. Put pictures on your resume and send it to people. I would take that over someone who built digital shoes. You know, someone who didn't do it. Time and time again, because it's all about like, in, especially in innovation, I should I should caveat this when you're looking at innovation and developing new technology. I, I, my brain just always goes there because I've just always been like 23 years now in innovation. Um, it you, you have to think of that. You have to like take it and try it. You know what I mean? And so it's just like doing headsets now. Like I, I work on gaming audio headsets and stuff like, OK, well, what does this phone feel like as an earpad on your headset? Well, it's too heavy. Well, that's clear. <laughs> but guess what? It also sweaty. Would I have known that if I didn't make it and put it on? I mean, maybe, um, you know, you just learn so many other aspects from it that I think just trying it, you can. You can learn and then you can go to the next step. And and the other thing it's gonna do is it's gonna lead you down a path of where you feel more passionate. So so let's say you tried to build a shoe out of food. Let's just say food in your fridge. Like maybe you got some marshmallows for the bottom, you got some uh spaghetti woven for the upper or something. Like, I don't know. I feel like we should do this now, Nick. This should be our yeah. next meeting is we should make food <laughs> out of food and put it on video. Um, if someone will edit the videos, I'll I'll do it. Um, But if if we started to do that, you might find out like, you know what, I really love the cushioning side of it, or I really love the bottom. Like, I want to focus on materials. Like, I I like materials better, versus being a shoe designer, you know, because a shoe designer, they get to draw it. But a whole bunches of people concept it whole bunches of people come up with the materials and everything else that goes into it. And I mean, there's at least 50 different options of careers you could go down and all end up building sneakers all end up building shoes um even color right if you just love color you could you could be a color designer or a cmf designer and um i mean i could go on and on about the the different options that are there but that i think once you actually play with it and you start doing it and and drawing drawing is important because you have to communicate right and i'm terrible at sketching my own my own perception there and I've always wanted to be like good at sketching um and my my husband's a footwear designer and he went to school for transportation design he can sketch it's so beautiful it's amazing like tell him you want an apple with a snowboard with this like oh it's so amazing I wish I could do that if I did it it's like stick
0: figures you know <laughs> I could to- I could so relate to that because that's my brother he just he he got his bachelor in fine arts Went back to for transportation design industrial design and like you know he's always kind of wanted to be in that space anyway but like i love him very much i am his biggest fan and he knows that but i also am just like so depressed every time i see what he does and think i just want to be able to do that one time you know (laughs) like but it's also just not in my nature and you know i've just got to like own up to what i'm better at in a sense but it's really fascinating because One of the conversations that I had uh, last night with Russ Bankston and a handful of other people was around the, the consumer side of where we're at with sneakers. And it's interesting because you see all these shoes come out, you know, you have the same experience as many of us where it's like I didn't get them either, right? Like we all share that experience. It's not... It doesn't matter where you land in the sneaker world you've all we've all shared that experience and one of the things that russ talked about specifically was kind of the uh the the supreme dunks and like you know the 800 resale point and i i said that like and i talked to the guys this morning about this um you know kind of about the diy hacking stuff i'd rather take that 800 and go to lowe's and buy a bunch of shit and make my own thing with 800 than to spend it on a shoe That you know, it's not that I don't appreciate the shoe, but it's just like the nature of like, I didn't get it. So I have to go spend the money to get it is really odd to me. It's like it's you know, it's almost like going to Vegas and being like, well, I didn't hit on the thousand dollars I just lost. So I'm going to put ten thousand down as if that's going to help in any way, shape or form, you know, so. yeah. um,
1: no, it's interesting cuz I'm not, you know, I have a big collection, but these are these are like shoes I wear every day. Like these I don't actually have a big collection. They're just like a lot of shoes, right? Um and so it's it's very rare that I I can say I've never purchased above if I didn't get it. The only time I considered it was I wanted the Tiffany blue Dunks and I could not get them um, I couldn't find them anywhere. So I, I thought, and then I was like, but really what, you know, so for me, it it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, uh, probably if I had a lot more disposable income, <laughs> it might be more fun. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If throwing down 800 bucks on a shoe was like, not a big deal that I might look at it differently, but you know, I just, I'm just not there. <laughs> if I win the lottery, I will, uh, <laughs> let you guys know if that changes.
0: Yeah, well, see, and I just look at it to, like, I relate it to, like, the race weekend, right? Well, $1,000 to go to the track for the weekend is much more enjoyable than $1,000 to put a shoe on my feet for a couple of days or, you know, I have so many that I'm going to always wear them rarely, I guess, in a sense. The same way that you have the wall behind you, it's like, the beauty of that is that, like, you you don't have to worry about them actually wearing out in the same sense but I actually enjoy the wearing out of the things, whether that's the car or, or the shoes, as a part of just the experience of, of, you know, of having them and, and using them for their per- original purpose, almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know what I've learned as I've gotten older is that your feet change sizes, which is such a bummer, especially yes. the a collection of shoes. <laughs> yes. So now I have to buy a bigger size, so half these don't even fit anymore. So. You know, but, but yeah, I think it's all about, it's all about what you want to do and where you're passionate, you know? So like for me, for sports, if, if I could pay money, if I could pay money to be an Olympic athlete, if I was younger, I would have done it. If I had money, I would have done it. I had to survive on my own talent and I didn't quite get there, but you know, that was always a dream for me to be an Olympic athlete, um, I think if your if your passion really is sneaker collecting and those shoes, it might it might be a little a little different. Like my husband's passion is cars, you know. So, like I said, we go to track days and we race, but we do it on a very small budget, right? We're fixing. I'm his crew chief. All right, I'm his crew chief. So then we don't have support. <laughs> you know, you see these big cars and these big rigs rolling into a racetrack, like with a like a McLaren or something. No, no, no. This is a this is a <laughs> We finally have a closed trailer, but literally, if it breaks, we're fixing it, and that's what we've done for the last five years. So we know enough about and how to fix it. But we also enjoy that. Like, holy crap! You know, one day I had to adjust the injectors. I was like, "How do I do this?" And he's going, yeah. and I'm doing it, and he's getting ready, putting his stuff on to get in the car, and I'm okay. like, "I hope I didn't screw it up." <laughs> and it worked, you know. And then when he wins a race, it's just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like we, we did that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of that joy. So if you get joy out of buying that sneaker and having that sneaker and you're just like, Oh my God, that's cool.
0: Yep. I a hundred percent agree. And it's, it's kind of interesting because like, there's so many facets to sneakers now it's become such a big deal for everyone. Right. It's like, you know, everybody has an opinion and everybody can be can fluctuate up and down on how aggressive they are one way or the other about those opinions. And I think that it's it's fascinating as somebody who's just kind of been here all this time being a part of it being super passionate about it at the end of the day like i don't i don't care about the shoes near as much as it comes across right like you know like i don't even think like you or i or you and jacques and i on the show ever talked about the shoes we were actually wearing because we were just talking about all of these people doing cool things and like making us think differently about what's going on and i think that's kind of a, a really fascinating place to be because we now have like the attention of you know millions and millions more people than we did 5 years ago 10 years ago and so on which you know brings attention to i think the biggest challenges because that's what raises up in the in the community and in the kind of world of of the footwear business but we're also in this place where i wonder what that next progression looks like because to, to to your point about like you know your side hustle that you alluded to right i think that there's we're at this place of inflection where there's so much interest there's so much energy it's become so much about the marketing and the 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 purchase point of the shoes that i think we're going to see a lot of the people that have either been passionate about this for a long time or like yourself who worked in the de- design side of this world for a long time, actually just being like, you know what, I'm going to remove myself from that like equation and just go back to kind of just enjoying this like thing that I started to do over here. And I think that's going to be so exciting. I think we're going to see like two, three years from now, we're going to see all these people that spent the last year of quarantine just doing random things that we'd never expected because they challenged themselves. and you know, I wonder what you think that will look like for kind of the next generation of designers or the people that, you know, are spent the last year kind of just trying to figure out, okay, do I like this? How, you know, what does this, how does this relate to me as a, as a creator and a consumer on both accounts?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That I, I think you're right. And I, I'm, you know, I think the, you know, being locked down for the last year and everything and, and, and everything COVID's done, it's made everybody think a little bit differently, I, I think. And, you know, in, in particular, in my case, you know, I like to try new things and try different things and, and be surprised um, by something that comes together. I would love, and, you know, I'm now I'm just kind of throwing this out on the top of my head. So if somebody wants to go into business, but like the idea of taking, Waste shoes that are waste or that are done, you know, and salvaging the parts off of them that are not done, that are not worn out and putting those back together into new shoes. I love that idea. And it's totally possible, totally doable, you know, constant, when you're, when you're developing a shoe and making a shoe, you don't, you don't necessarily make a brand new upper and a brand new bottom and put them together at the same time. If you can, you take something that already works, and you do a new upper on an existing bottom and a new bottom on an existing upper. So you're removing variables. It's kind of the same with like, I'd love to see it. There's so many shoes in the world. I mean, the latest numbers that like got this from the FDRA a couple of years ago, like there's 25 million pairs of shoes made every year.
0: Good God.
1: Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's cra- the The amount of shoes that are made every year is crazy. So it's like, there are shoes in landfills massively. And, and it's like, I don't know, there's, there's something there from an environmental standpoint and people that have time on their hands. And like the idea of buying a one-off shoe that was reconstructed from parts of other shoes. I just think that's beautiful. Like I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I think it's super cool and challenging, but yeah, you could figure it out and do it. And all your raw goods are free.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how That's really fascinating because that's one thing that I I think like we don't have time for that whole conversation today, but I I learned so much in talking to you about the recyclability aspect of the shoots, right? Thinking about the the nature of like, you know, there's a lot of words that get thrown out um and we're going to have a couple of panels over the next couple of days that hopefully kind of talk to people that actually work on these problems that we've created. But I'm just, I don't know, I'm I'm thankful that I've learned so much from you. But like, in in that sense, it's also made me like, seek out more of that information. Um, And I guess, like, where would you suggest people look to kind of be inspired when I don't want to pick on Instagram but it's the easiest one to pick on, right? We all go to it, we all scroll through. It it ultimately probably makes most of us feel bad because it's like, look, you know, that person's doing something, you know, we I don't want to get into the, that part of it. But yeah. I think that like there's a lot of people that I've talked to in the past few months that are really seeking out kind of this knowledge that just isn't easily available, right? Specifically in footwear where It's become more about, hey, this is coming by this as opposed to, hey, this is the way we change the world. So how do you suggest or, you know, if there's any places that people can look to kind of find that inspiration, where do you go for that inspiration yourself?
1: Yeah. So I, I tend to pay attention to like B Corps. Like what are the new B Corps coming out because, and, and what, who's been certified as B Corp lately, because they're doing the new environmental stuff and being a B Corporation means that you're, you're not just responsible to your shareholders on revenue. You're also responsible for standing for the environment or social justice. So like, there's a, there's another responsibility to it. Uh, So I tend to watch some of them and what they're doing uh, because they usually have some cool stuff. And then you have brands like in footwear, like Allbirds. They're constantly coming out with new things, um, new materials, new versions. Um, Cotopaxi, another apparel brand, Patagonia. Like I kind of watch all of these guys. And then um, I do just... You know those Google alerts. You can just type in sustainability. You can just type in certain keywords, and it and it repopulates um, your email. And then I so I have a few text searches and things like that out there um, for sustainability. I, I can't say I get any of it from like Instagram or any social media. It's it's more of just outward searches, like looking for it. Um, the the FDRA actually. Uh, it's footwear retailers, something, something association. I should know that. Um, they have a website where they populate all of like, like kind of these innovative articles that come out. So, so I'll hang out there and see what they've posted. Cause they kind of put it all into one spot, um, to kind of see like new technologies and things. I don't know if they're, they're still doing it or not, but that was always, that was kind of interesting. Uh to see. But yeah, I I surf the internet a lot. And then material, like I'm a little bit of a nerd, right? As we all know. And so I I look at material suppliers. Dow, what's Dow doing? What's, you know, what are these big because they're they're at the forefront of it too. What are these big knitting companies doing? Like they're all trying to develop tech for it too. And they'll do it before, right? Because they have to make it and then they show it to the big footwear makers. And then the footwear makers integrate it into product. So a lot of times like Piho and and all these material suppliers, you can see on their websites, what their new materials are. And then you kind of have a leg up on, oh, that's cool. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. How, how does that translate into like what you do now? Are there similarities in that sense?
1: Um, a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, at Logitech and, and Logitech G, we're very environmental, right? Like we are working very hard to be a consumer electronics company that's really making a difference in the environment. It's, ha- it's hard in consumer electronics. Right. Um, so it's the same thing. I actually, I, I said that in a meeting this week, like let's catalog all these B Corps and see what they're doing. Cause they're developing new materials. They have to, they have to think differently on it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's crazy how I was just thinking the other day, um, you know, the, the idea of auto lacing and how it progressed and how it went from you tie your shoes to the, sh- you press a button on the shoes to a sensor does it on the shoe to now I think an app does it on the shoe. Like there's a progression there. And if you think of other electronics, like there's a very similar progression. And I was literally sitting in a meeting and I was explaining this and, and I was like, wow, that's so weird. Something directly from my sneaker background applying yeah. to gaming, like so weird but it was just a total, it was a perfect intersection.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, I think I'm finding that a lot of even like the conversations that I'm having for this, you know, sneaker convos event thing is also putting me in that same spot of, I guess, realizing that like the the problem solving that exists for one side of things, even though it's like, you know i guess like to relate it to sneakers you being on the engineering side and the design side me typically being on the marketing side we're both using very similar problem solving you know traits and actions and and knowledge that we've acquired to do the things that we're doing but like a lot of times in footwear at least in my experience there's a huge disconnect or even a mi- like complete lack of understanding of like hey we're we're struggling to understand or to move forward with this too right because we've one of the things that came up earlier, and the reason why I'm thinking about this is we we talked about the cyclical nature of sneakers and how it almost takes away the create not almost it absolutely takes away the creative process of of getting to the best of what could be done right. Wow. and I wonder if like we will ever see that go back to a place where you know uh, you know sounds like with Logitech like I think. You know, the environmental thing to me is hugely important and something I think about every day. And I would love for that to be something that people think about every day and and start to take action on. But I also understand that, like, it's, you know, depending on where you live, it's just not it's not something that people talk about. You know, when I first moved to Detroit, we didn't even have recycling in our building. And I was just like, what? Like, I've had compost at Starbucks for years. You know, like like that's like the crazy analogy for me. But like, do you think we'll, we'll see kind of uh, like an influx back towards that as far, because we're also like in this like super con tri- consumer driven place with sneakers now that I don't think we ever really expected to be too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hope that it shifts and I think it will. And, and here's why, because, you know, you, you look at the, the big sneaker brands, the ones that everyone's collecting, you know, we're at Adidas or at Nike, you know, they are giant, giant corporations. They have to build their product in such a way that it meets expectations because they have a lot on the line. If a consumer gets hurt or a consumer, whatever happens, they get sued. You know, like they have a lot on the line, which prevents them from maybe taking some risks that smaller footwear brands, startups are willing, more willing to do. And so seeing that there are so many more, I, I hope, you know, I know COVID shut down a bunch of startups, um, in the footwear world, like Jason Maiden's, um, what was it called?
0: Sonic? Yeah, super super heroic. Super
1: heroic. I was called Sonic for something. Super heroic. But like, hopefully, I think, I hope during COVID, you know, maybe some, a bunch more brands are going to reemerge and a bunch of smaller brands. Because shoes, honestly, they're not that hard to make. And I can tell this story later. But I mean, I'm working on a startup right now. I'm working with a startup. And a, a group of people came to me and asked and i was like oh, i don't know i haven't i've never done before let's try and it it just it flowed and worked quite easily to be honest and knowing that and and being in that and doing that like we can take more risks with materials and try different things yeah. because we have less to lose you know like and i think the more and and the sneaker community too like i hope they embrace that right like I hope they embrace these new and different things coming out. Like it's not always going to be about Jordans. You know what I mean? Like it's not always going to be about the pristine sneakers that are made by the giants. It's I think it's going to start to shift and it's going to be about like the Tom Sachs. He does it differently. You know, even Yeezy, even Kanye, he does it differently. Right. And I hope we embrace that more and more and we see smaller, smaller brands start showing up people doing some really cool stuff with shoes, because I think that's and again, I think it'll have to be in a sustainable way in a reuse way um, to keep it to keep it moving. You know, think Ready Player One where you reuse all your only choice is to reuse. What was that?
0: Yep. Wally. No, no, Wally. Wally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm really enamored by those things. And I'd love to see that kind of come together and and see some new different kind of shoes and, and footwear that, that come out of it. But also keep in mind, your feet are your foundation, right? So what I hope for people is that everyone has shoes that are comfortable. And if they don't like, let's get, let's get everyone a pair of shoes that make them comfortable so that they can walk, they can do what they need to do every single day. And that's really where it all started. And now we're, you know, some, some of us were so lucky to have this many shoes when there are people in the world that don't have shoes. Like, so there's all these different things that are balancing. And I hope more and more of them start to come together uh, yeah. to create the future of what we're talking about in a couple of years at sneaker combos when it's massive.
0: Well, I, I I really hope so. I'm super stoked to get to talk to you again. Um, I'm actually up in Sacramento now. So Laguna Seca is my second home. If you ever need a, I, I'll have to bring my dog, but like, you know, she'll bark in, in cheer. She, you know, I, I'll cheer. I'll carry the, carry the extra wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely, I'll, I'll text you afterwards. Um, it's been awesome to to chat with you and hopefully, you know, I, I just want to reiterate like how much I speaking from my friends within the sneaker community, how much everyone appreciates you sharing so much insight into what you've done over the years. And I think that, you know, when you're ready to to launch that side project, I'm sure that people will embrace you with that. And I wish you the best of luck with it and and anything I can do to help obviously as well. So
1: awesome. um, Well, thanks. I love having these chats and I'm always happy to share inspiration and things like that. And so thanks for having me and good luck with the rest of the panels. I can't (laughs) wait to watch.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: Bye.